another episode of the Stadium Journey Podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. You can find all of our 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories on our website, stadiumjourney.com. And connect with us on all of our social media channels at Stadium Journey. Like, comment, and share across all of our channels. You can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey Podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network on whatever podcast app you use. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple Music now. I think we're there too. We're somewhere new. I think it was Apple. But yeah, we're all over the damn place. And video simulcasts of our podcast can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And if you want to check out our classic back catalog, that can still be found at vocnation.com. And some of you are there now, but for those of you watching us at a later time, we record live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash danlaw83. Hey, thanks to, you. thanks to those of you who are in our live studio audience right now. And now, here's our starting lineup. Dave Cotney is here with us tonight. You can follow him at ProFan9. Mark Viquez is here. Follow him at Ballpark Hunter. The other guy, Dan Calachico, is here. Well, he's not physically here, but he's here. You can follow him at danlaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. And tonight, we are very happy to be closing out the minor league baseball season with Michael Harris, who is a most seasoned, and as he puts it on his Twitter bio, ballpark collector. I like that, ballpark collector. And, uh, you know, minor league baseball enthusiast. Uh, Mike, your current count, if your Twitter is accurate, is 423 ballparks. And if you want to check out uh, Michael's journeys, you can find his work on the website, intheballparks.com. Mike, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. All right, so Mike, uh, you're from the great state of Maine, so uh, we'll try not to talk too much about New England tonight, but uh, how do you get from that corner of the country to 400 plus ballparks? That takes a lot of work. Yeah, I slowly is the answer. Um, but I mean, you know, Paul, because you are also from New England, we are lucky to have uh, a lot of ballparks in our area. Um, we're also lucky to have, or at least up until last year, we had the Red Sox plus three affiliated Red Sox minor league teams. Um, so I kind of started just by going to a lot of Red Sox games, a lot of Sea Dogs games, a lot of Spinners games, and Paw Sox games. And then kind of all at once, like, two things happened. One is I, my sister moved to Connecticut and I realized I could see the Sea Dogs play in Norwich. Uh, and then I realized I could see the Sea Dogs play in other places like Manchester. I could see the Spinners play in Vermont. And then I was like, I should see the other two Red Sox minor league teams down in uh, Virginia and South Carolina. And so I did a road trip based around that where I also saw the Sea Dogs play in Trenton and I saw a Pirates game. And after that, I was kind of just out and out the door and slowly but surely have expanded how many ballparks I've been to. Uh, so as a uh, ballpark collector, I love that term. I may start using that now. Um, how has your 2021 season been as far as getting out there after uh, having 2020 off? Uh, different. It's been... I didn't know what I was going to be able to do. It's different in a couple of ways, partially because like I've been to a bunch of ballparks so far. And so I'm kind of limited in what I have left to that. I haven't been to. Um, so a lot of the times when I was first, you know, starting out, I would go to, you know, I just pick an area. I pick, you guys were in North Carolina recently, you know, there's a lot of places. There's a lot of parks to see in that area. So I just pull up, North Carolina and pick a bunch of parks. And if I missed some, I'll catch them the next time I go down that area. Now it's a lot of places that are further away and parks that have opened since the last time I was in an area. So it's a lot of single parks in one area and then on to the next. Uh, so I ended up doing two driving trips, one down to the Southeast and hit Kannapolis and Fredericksburg and Rocket City and uh that area and then I did one long normally once I get past a certain uh range like at first I was doing day trips 
that I could do back and forth in a day. And as somebody who likes driving, I my range is longer than some other people's. So that was five or six hours from my house was a day trip. Uh, wow. Then it became things I could do on an easy week long uh, drive. I would do, you know, New York, Western New York and Ohio and Pennsylvania. For the last couple of years, I've been flying to areas that are further away. And this year I was hesitant to get on an airplane. So there was a lot of driving. So I ended up with a two week long driving trip that took me out to Chicago and Milwaukee, down through Nebraska into Texas and back up through Iowa and home. So I had planned a trip. I'd hoped to get out to Oregon to see the last two minor league parks I haven't been to, but where cases started going up, I mixed the airplane travel for this year. So how is it, uh, how's it been different for you this year? When, like actually getting into the park um, and what, what would constitute a, a park for you? Like, is it just, you know, uh, I drive by one and I stop and get out and take a couple pictures or do you have to go to a game or like a full game, nine innings, one inning, you know? So for, that's a good question because when I first started like looking up, like what ballparks are out there for me to go to and finding sites of people who have done similar stuff, some people do just like drive by and see the ballpark. And so the first, on my first couple of like longer trips, I would do that. I would stop at like a site that there wasn't a game going on. The team was out of town or whatever and take a look at the ballpark. And I just, it was cool, but it didn't give me that, like that feeling that I get when I'm able to like really explore the ballpark and see a game. So I only count my total is games that I have been to has to be a game has to be an official game. So it doesn't have to be nine innings, but it has to get through five innings or four and a half if the home team is leading. So that's what I count as a game. So anything that I count in my like 423 or 325 professional totals is a, is a game. Um, occasionally I have to leave early if I have two games scheduled on the same day or if I have to catch a plane or something like that. Um, but as long as I'm past that, the point where it's an official game, I count it. And how, how's it been different in the parks this year versus, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's dependent on where you go and when some parks it would, it's incredibly, uh, restricted and what you could do and where you could go. Um, you have to be masked everywhere. A lot of parks, honestly, as the summer went on, it didn't seem like there was much of a difference at all. So it's really, it really depends. I was kind of wondering if you would see more of those restrictions. And I think as the summer went on, it really, other than the staff wearing masks, there wasn't as much of a difference as I might've expected or hoped in some cases. Yeah, I didn't really see a lot of differences this year as well. Last year I did, uh, when yeah. I went to the Lemonade League in uh, Lansing, 100 people only sitting in the outfield area. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice anything this year. It felt like this is as usual, um, it, which is odd because, you know, we're still not out of this pandemic. Uh, but I guess uh, my question for you is, uh, ooh, I just lost it. <laughs> just lost the question. Uh, obviously, minor league baseball, when you, you have this count, do you also include collegiate stadiums? Do you include independent have you been up to Minnesota to see the town ballparks? Is it any baseball game that's taken place that you count? Uh, so it depends on the count. So my count is 325 professional games. And for me, that okay. counts that or professional ballparks, more, plenty more games, but 325 okay. professional ballparks. That counts for me, major league, minor league, independent um, at all levels. I count okay. down to... I've counted uh, Pecos Spring League and California Winter League in that. Pecos, total. wow! Uh, and 
That's all right. I've got an Empire Pro League <laughs> ballpark in my professional account. So I've got yeah. all I've got every single one they've ever used in mine. So Pecos <laughs> League. That's like scraping the barrel. Oh, wait, I've been to three bottle of the Empire barrel. leagues. Yeah. So Ooh. yeah, I count the Empire League and the Pecos League and yeah. um as pro parks. And then the 423 counts uh call summer college league and division yeah. one. So okay. it's, I think it's uh, like 50, 50, it's about 50, 50 on uh, summer college league and division one for the rest of the parks that make up that total. Uh, that, as far that, as town ball, that's on my list of a bucket list. Yeah. Of something I'd like to do, oh. but the one, yeah. the trip that I got through uh, Minnesota, I was driving like all over the place to get to, South Dakota, North Dakota, Winnipeg. And so I didn't have time yeah. to stop for town ball. It's almost like you need a week in Minnesota and to map out where you go. Like I'm with you there. It's like, there's so much to do there. It's overload. Uh, Cause you know, when I went out there, I, I had to go to a Lynx game to review and I had to go St. Paul saints and I had to go to Minnesota United. And it's like, I, I just want to get out to Meesville or Red Wing or Winona to see a game. And it's, Ooh, I tell you, you just, let me go up to Minnesota for a week or two and just enjoy all those beautiful ballparks they have up there. And I definitely recommend Meesville uh, or Chask if you ever get up there. Absolutely. Now there's so much to see and there's so much I want to see. I prioritize professional games and then I'll yes. fill in with college or summer league, depending on the season. And then as we go, as I'm running out of professional ballparks to see, I'll start filling in with more of that stuff. So, Outside of the, uh, I don't even know if I'm prepared to say post-pandemic, uh, current pandemic, outside of the mess that we're in now and how that's changed everything, probably the biggest change in minor league baseball has been the purge, where we saw all of those, um, all those rookie league teams uh, unaffiliated and, and a few others unaffiliated and uh, I think it's fair to say that that certain pockets kind of lost their minds, and and this was a, bi a big freak out major league deal. Um, what are your thoughts on the on the purge, and how have you seen it? Have you seen it any changes as a result of of said purge, or have you been to any of the spots this year that were were former affiliated uh, spots that are no longer? I haven't this year because. I had been to almost all of those parks already. Um, I had been to, of the 42 parks that got de-affiliated, the only one I haven't been to is Salem-Kaiser. Um, so I had done the Appalachian League. I had done the Pioneer League already. Um, it's tough because I, the Appalachian League and the Pioneer League were some of my favorite places to see a ball game. Like the, the Appy League is a bunch of little ballparks in small towns that mm -hmm. look way too small to have a professional baseball team and apparently were. Uh, and it's just a cool, it's a much different vibe than a, a triple A baseball game. And the pioneer league, you get amazing scenery and just the drives between the ballparks mm -hmm. is as nice <clears throat> as the parks themselves. So I, it, I feel sad that those parks are no longer affiliated minors just because for some people and i've seen that with uh places up here i've seen that with uh when you lose the affiliation you lose a chunk of the fans there's a group of fans that just yeah i mean paul knows norwich when that went from double a to short season you lost a chunk of the fans because they thought it wasn't important enough and then, and then when they went from single A to, to Indy, yeah, and, and then Trenton, look what's going on there. Yeah, you lose a chunk of the thing. So that's my worry is that you lose a group of fans every time you drop a level. And I think they've done it like it's from everything I saw, like the Pioneer League did a good job this year. The Appy League did a good job this year. A lot of the teams that got deaffiliated and joined summer college leagues like it, they've seemed to do well, but I do, I, you know, I do worry that you're leaving huge chunks of the country without affiliated baseball. Every little bit that you don't bring people into the ballpark, I 
you know, I get sad that maybe some of those people don't become baseball fans or as big yeah. of a baseball fan. All right. Um, we've got circling back to the mass comment. We got a, our friend Gregory is in the chat room. He's got a couple questions for you. Um, first, he wants to tell us about when he was in Lancaster last weekend. He said they had signs saying that you had to wear masks in the bathroom unless you were eating and drinking while sitting down. So, <laughs> so it's good to know, you know, he says it's good to know that you can do that in the bathroom. But uh, Mike, uh, did you go to any Sea Dogs games earlier this year? Because I went up for Mother's Day and the, the restrictions they had in place were just incredible. You were mentioning how it seemed like it was pretty much like normal. But man, at the beginning of the season, at least in the Northeast, was not normal. No, I didn't go when the, all the restrictions were in place. Um, I, I've been fairly cautious. And at that time, I wasn't, it didn't make as much sense to me to go to a game. Um, so I didn't go until they've opened up. I went to a Sea Dogs game last week. And other than the fact that they're still doing ordering from your seat, you wouldn't know that anything is different now. So things have definitely changed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so a, a question from our friend Gregory here. He wants to know, what is the most obscure baseball stadium you've been to? Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know what he means by obscure, but we'll define yeah, that. Yeah, it depends we... on, I could, on I what metric you're using. I would say, I mean, I, I would say the Pecos Spring League is probably stretching uh, the the definition of of professional <laughs> ballpark that anyone has heard of, um, the Pecos League in general is most people don't know about the Pecos League. No, and there are some very cool ballparks in the Pecos League. I will say, like Trinidad and Santa Fe and Triggers. Yeah, there are some really nice uh, Alpine. Alpine is Alpine is high up on my favorite ballparks, <clears throat> um, but. Pecos off-season winter league in a makeshift ballpark in the suburb in Houston, where they like the outfield fence is slapped together, old pieces of the riverfront stadium in Cincinnati just slapped together to make an outfield fence is probably the most obscure I've been to. You want to answer that question, Mark? Oh, most obscure. I know uh, I, I know we had a Bart from our – this is a ballpark I never even heard of. Uh, up in Wisconsin, there's snowshoe baseball and where the field is laid out with sawdust and you play with show, snowshoes and the players don't have any gloves, so you try to catch sort of like a mush ball and they serve pies at the game. I know Bart was up there and a couple other people that I follow on Facebook. So I looked it up online and – there's a couple of videos on it on YouTube. Now I want to go to a game. I definitely want to, I want to hit that. It's a few hours North of uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, whew. that, that seems very obscure to me, especially since I was unaware of this place up until a, a few years ago. I mean, up until a few uh, weeks ago. So, yeah. <laughs> and Gregory was also asking if Lake of the Woods has a town ball team. He says that would be a fun one if you could possibly get there because the only way to get to Lake of the woods is by boat. Oh, Lake of the woods up in Canada. <laughs> no, they don't isn't have isn't that the part of Minnesota with that little square. That's that's that. Yeah. You have that's to that go knob. through Canada yeah. or through yeah. the water. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, well, if there's a ballpark there, that that'd be very obscure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Mike, did I hear you correctly that when you said that you only have two affiliated ballparks left out of the 120? Wow, it's impressive. I do. I have two major league parks I haven't been to. Two, uh, I've done 117 out of 119 of the current uh, MILB. I have, uh, I've been to all the spring training ballparks. And then, so I have like, I think six Pecos League parks, uh, Salem Kaiser, and the two minor and two major leagues before I've done all the pro parks in the US and Canada. Wow. I was hoping to get it done last year and then last year happened. And then I was hoping to get it done this year and I had to scrap the West coast part of it. Oh. So, so how many ballparks do you get to on an average per year? Is it every weekend? Is it a week trip? Take a week off. How does that work? 
it's generally the way it's been is about a trip a month, uh, April okay. through August, which is generally about a week um, per wow. trip. And then a bunch of summer college league or college day trips that I can, because like I said, I prioritize the pro park. So I'm still in the eight, the range of day trips with summer college league and college. So. Let's talk summer. Let's talk summer league. Cause uh, we're spoiled in new England. We've got three fantastic leagues. Uh, which have you uh, been to a lot of the new England ones? So I've been to all the New England Summer College League parks. I've been okay. to every park in the Futures League, the NECDL, and the Cape League. Um, if you want to talk obscure, I've also been to all the parks that the Greater Northeast Collegiate Baseball League uses in Maine, and at least a chunk of the ones that the Connecticut Collegiate Baseball mm. League uses. I thought you were going to talk about the Cranberry League in, in Boston. No, I haven't. I, I haven't <laughs> Not yet that to that level yet uh but i have recently discovered the low level summer college league teams uh, in new england the greater northeast league and the connecticut league i need to look so, into those because i've run out of new ballparks in this area too so well if you want to see some really weird little ones i went to a you may the obscure ballpark might be school street field in agawam massachusetts uh for a Connecticut collegiate league game this year, they don't have an outfield fence. So the ball just, you hit the ball and you just run until the outfielder gets the ball and you're either out or you score. That's the way my high school did it back in the day. Yeah. So that was a fun one. If you're looking for someplace to go in New England. Okay. So uh, it's been said here before uh, baseball snob right here. So uh, you know, we're in a little bit different situation now, and I have had to expand my horizons just a bit. But uh, being a baseball snob, kind of anything below AAA was, eh, eh, eh. so uh, do your best. Sell me. Why Why should I, as a baseball snob, be interested in, in anything below AAA? So I listened to this show, and I've been – thrilled the last couple episodes <laughs> to hear you discovering the intercounty baseball league because that like i love that style like small town ballpark like i love a major league park i love a triple a park there's so much cool stuff in the higher level ballparks but it's a different experience on some of those low level parks and a lot of those you know what you're going to in the intercounty league is very similar. A lot of them were, or at least a few of them were, Penn League parks uh, at one point, and like that feels a lot to me like the old Penn League or the Appy League or Pioneer League yeah. or something yeah. like that. So you're getting you're getting up close to the action. It's a more I don't want to say saying pure baseball experience sounds so like condescending and like, but it's a different you you don't have the sound effects you don't have the uh mcs and the between inning games and the 15 dollar specialty hot dog and the like all and dollar beers the bells and whistles and the uh it's you can just go to a baseball game and watch watch a baseball game you'll hear a bunch of uh parent like how like uh parents in the crowd that are housing players for the summer you'll hear people who have been to every game and are heckling individual players based on stats or single events that they've run into to me it's it's a different experience but one i enjoy just as much as going to a, a big league game so on yeah. a ra on a random night would you just um would you just pick up and and find a a, a local ball field and and watch some of the kids play or I haven't got to that level yet. So I, I have, there's a certain level of baseball snob in all of us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, and, I guess I can blame my son for now playing like, you know, travel baseball where, well, we haven't exactly traveled anywhere, but right. You know, I bet I'm at baseball four nights a week now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's also a certain level of creepiness of just showing up to children's baseball games that I don't want to, 
get into. But there's, <laughs> there, but I will. I mean, I you know I haven't got into Division Two or Division Three college parks. Um, I haven't gotten into anything below that. Uh, part of partially because, and this might shock you, uh, considering the conversation we've had so far, I'm a bit of a completist, and I get. <laughs> <laughs> I get I'm into shocked. not at all. I know. And <laughs> so I will like I'll get a list of things I and I'm like, ooh, I can go there and there and there and there. And I want to go all these places. So give me a list of places to go. And my first instinct is how can I get to all of them? So <laughs> I, you know, I've got it took me a while to pick up uh college ball, partially because, you know, the baseball snob in me hadn't had a issue with the metal bats. And, but then there are a couple of cool college parts. Like you go to Yale Field, like that's a cool place to see a ball game. Uh, so I eventually knocked down that barrier and I've now gone to like 20% of the current Division I uh, ballparks. So, see, have you been to the World Series? That's interesting that you would say that. Because uh, one of the things that I, I thought was Good times. great was, uh, Yes, when ESPN was doing one year, they were um, promoing the College World Series, and the, and I think the their tagline was "It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that ping." And I, I mean, it, for me, that sort of like, huh, that'd be interesting to watch. But sorry, sorry for cutting you guys off there. Well, speaking of uh, College World Series, it got me thinking about the Little League World Series, and they just built, I think, the Central or, or Mid State regional field about 10 15 miles away from me i was going to go to a game but going back to how things are different this year with covid i I just remembered you couldn't just buy a ticket there you had to be one of the kids family members to go to this stadium and i didn't even think about trying to get a press uh press pass or anything because i thought i could just buy a ticket go watch the game so i was actually denied going into the stadium this year because I was not somebody's father. <laughs> so getting back to how are things different, that that's the one thing I would say was different this year. So uh, a what about lot of college, yeah. a lot of NCAA, uh, most, almost all that were allowing fans at all in New England were family only. And I know yeah. that's different than in other parts of the country because I was sitting there in March and April watching people in other parts of the country go to college baseball games and there wasn't anything in New England, New York, or New Jersey that I was allowed into until wow. the very last weekend of the season. Yeah. yeah and I think Louisville also prohibited uh, people from coming in so much that their coach complained about it. He's like, we have nobody here watching our games. I mean, why? Whereas the Louisville Bats, I don't think, had any uh, – you know, they, they might have had something, but fascinating. Fascinating to think that uh, in March and April where – you're craving to see a baseball game and you might be living in some of the, the ugliest weather at that time, but you want to get out there and see something and you can't go. And you know, any other year yep. they'd be begging somebody to come watch their games. So, and then in June, it was like a switch was flipped and then all restrictions were off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but like <laughs> looking at junior <laughs> hockey games coming up where they're like, uh, you know, there's a thousand tickets available, and here's the order. Starting with the uh, the billets and the family members going to mm. the sponsors, go and like down to the season ticket holders, and it's like, wait a second, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to see this. I don't even come on the list. Game <laughs> journey, Canadian correspondents, where do they list? <laughs> We're yeah. on the fourth page on the back, in the small <laughs> yeah. print. <laughs> so uh mike let's talk about in uh with your wealth of experience uh some of your favorite places oh wait actually, before we get into that i want a question for you you were talking about being a completist so you've got a choice go to a, a ballpark you've already been to that's close to where you are or go to one that's not not convenient to get to but it's new what do you do I mean, that's not even a question. I will drive six hours to a ballpark I've never been to before I go. You were saying, part, like, how, did I go to Sea Dogs games earlier in the season? 
And my answer is no, I almost never go to Sea Dogs games uh, before August because I go to college games in the spring and then summer league games in the in the summer. And then I'll get to, at this point, I'll get to Sea Dogs games and Woo Sox games at the end of the year uh, because I, I, yeah, I could have gone to a bunch of Sea Dogs games this year. I was driving five or six hours to perfect game collegiate league in Glens Falls and uh, Amsterdam instead. So, hey, Glens Falls was horrible, but Amsterdam is one of my favorite places. Amsterdam's beautiful. So, all right. So, some of your favorite places. Let's let's talk about some really great experiences you've had. I really I hate that question because I'm too positive a person when it comes to uh, to going to a ballpark. Like I enjoy it no matter what like even an ugly ballpark is even in ugly ballparks i know dan's not here at the moment but i even kind of enjoyed fitzner like uh (laughs) good thing Dan's not here (laughs) wait a minute dan's been texting me all through the show (laughs) (laughs) but it's like just to get to see again and there's something to being in a weird ugly ballpark um i i love see anything different is fun for me like i know people complain a ton about the diamond in richmond and i get that it's a horrifically outdated ballpark but i kind of love it because it's the only thing left of that era of that of that kind yeah Yeah, there's nothing left there's a ton of like wpa era covered grandstands that are kicking around in summer college ball and there's a ton of new camden yard mini camden yards but that era of like 70s ballpark construction has disappeared. And I get that I would probably feel differently if I lived in Richmond and had to go there every week. But I kind of love that it's still there and looks like a big giant alien spaceship just landed. So, but I mean, I love old ballparks. Uh, I did the Rickwood Classic is one of those things that I think everybody should see. Yes, they should. I agree with you. Um, closer to Mark, uh, Bossy Field in Evansville is, is the same. I sat through like a three plus hour rain delay where I had like a four hour drive after the game and I Mm. didn't care at all because I was just wandering around that ballpark and looking at every old piece of history and sitting in different seats and thinking how cool this was. Um, so, I mean, I love every ballpark and i that sounds silly and trite and it's true and i'm happy when i'm even at the dumpiest ballpark so have you found with with all of these travels then uh and all of these different ballparks that that you're going to have you found yourself like detached at all like sometimes i find that it's you know when you start doing many many different things boom 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 boom, it's tough to be a fan anymore and you're just sort of like you know, like as a as a fan, usually we say, you know, like this is my team. But the more I'm, you know, the the more I'm looking at the score for updates on my team's game, the more detached I am. Right. So do you find that that detachment at all from your own team, whoever they are? I think there is some of that. Um, I, you know, I try to cheer for the home team at whatever ballpark I'm at, except and unless the visiting team is a Red Sox affiliated team or the home team is a Yankees affiliated team, uh, <laughs> which in Good which man. I cannot bring myself to cheer for the home team. And I apologize to uh, all the people in at no. the time in Charleston, South Carolina and in Trenton and that I, you know, would not cheer for your home team, but. Otherwise, I do try to cheer for the home team because I feel like that gives me like a little bit of a connection to a game. And I try to get to a ballpark early, uh, like when the gates open and spend an hour or so walking around and do my exploring then. And then once the first pitch starts, I'm in my seat and I'm focused on the game. Like I don't get up and wander during the game. And I know a lot of people do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's cool to see a game from a bunch of different perspectives. I wander um, all the time. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people I don't who sit do. still. For me, I kind of have to, once the game starts, I'm in my seat, I'm focused. Um, I keep score as a, like, just as a 
memento for myself as like a record of the places I've been. Um, so I feel like that keeps me a little bit like focused in in a way that like otherwise it's easy to get detached and you're just in a ballpark and how is it different from the one you were in three days ago yeah mark's been to like 800 ballparks and never seen a baseball game <laughs> no no i uh i almost missed a no hitter in clinton no burlington iowa one time because <laughs> i was just walking around hanging out by the bar i was with a buddy of mine and some of his friends and i look at the scoreboard and it's going in the ninth inning no runs, no hits for the road team. And I'm like, am I drunk or? <laughs> so I'm almost it, it was. So I did. <laughs> I was able to watch it. It it got broken up, unfortunately, and uh, so you almost it. almost saw no hitter. No, yeah, maybe if I wasn't paying attention, I know their PR guy was standing in a very awkward place on the concourse, and uh, he told me after he's like, yeah, I wasn't moving. I wasn't moving. I was superstitious. So I hear you. But uh, I guess uh, I guess one question I had when you, when you read our stadium journey reviews, uh, do you get any advice from what we tell you in the stories? Do you disagree with anything we say? I mean, sure. I'll, uh, there's always going to be disagreements, but yeah, definitely. I get because I don't want to spend the whole game like wandering around trying to find the best place like the best perspective or the best uh, concession item or whatever. I love that I can look at your guys' review, especially for like some of the more obscure uh, college summer league and uh, and division one college parks that nice. there aren't as much information out You're there. Absolutely on. Right. You're absolutely like, right. Like you guys have almost all of them. And so I can always get a good heads up. And then once I get to the game, I can focus on the game. Um, I don't know that I could do what you guys do partially because you don't need me because I live in the same region as Paul and he's been to almost every place that I've been up here. So yeah, I kind of hog New England. I apologize to Matt Fiedler all the time. But also because like, I, I want to just sit and watch the game once yeah. the game starts, but I super appreciate having that resource, especially for small and more obscure. We, we, we do the hard work. You're, you're right. There, there's some ballparks where, uh, it's maybe it's not so much for ballparks. I guess it's when I review some of the Indiana high school gyms. Nobody knows when these places were built. Eh, 1970, yeah, 1975, eh, 10 years ago. It's like you get so many different, uh, different answers, and then you can't look it up online. And you call the athletic director. They may not know. So, uh, yeah, it is it's good to, for somebody to do the hard work. Johnson City, I think their ballpark claims was built in 1956, but I think it was actually built in 19... 1950 based on some research so you know which i love johnson city uh you know it was one of those smaller ballparks that i just fell in love with thirsty thursday big crowd beautiful night i was in heaven i, I could have sat there and, and watched the game and not moved around and i would have been i would have been just as happy as if i wasn't moving around and trying to go to elizabethton to see the nightcap so I'm with you there, uh, stemming back from that conversation earlier Personally, tonight. I loved, I did the whole, almost the whole league as a single trip in uh, Pulaski and Johnson City and Greenville, which is almost, Greenville almost seems weird because it's too nice of a stadium. It's too to nice. You're absolutely jumped right. Jumped in with the rest of them. It's, but it's almost like a, a single A, like it could be in the, in the uh, Sally League. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Burlington, Danville, Pulaski, uh, Johnson City, I love those little ballparks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if we ever, uh, I, don't, I think I want to put you on a spot. And uh, Mike, tell us about some of your favorite spots that you visited. And they could be off the beaten track because some of your, yeah, the ones our listeners may be interested in hearing about. So, I mean, I'll cheat and say I've been lucky enough to get to a handful of games in Japan. Uh, my brother-in-law is in the Navy and was stationed uh, in Japan for a couple of years. And I was able to get to, I was able to visit once. I was really hoping to get there twice and get to more uh, NPB games, but I was able to get to five NPB games and two NPB minor league games. And that's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Uh, it's just like the coordinated cheers and chanting um, 
for everything, the dances, um, the Yakult swallows, all of a sudden after a player hits a home run, everybody in the stadium pulls out a tiny little umbrella and at the same time and does a tiny little umbrella dance. And like the Chibolote Marines, they released like balloons during the seventh inning. It's just such a different atmosphere from, I mean, I guess you can say like pro soccer somewhat has that in the US and Canada, but not to the level of European pro soccer or to the level of baseball in in some of the other countries. So that, and then like the Japanese minor league games, it's almost like a minor league game in the US. They had, to, uh, went to a, a Yokosuka DNA Bay Stars game and they did chase the mascot across the field for the little kids, just like they do in the US. So that was really cool. Um, I was able to go to a Tijuana Toros game um, and somebody described it to me as like the reverse of the coin of Japanese baseball where it's the chanting and cheering, but at a way, at a different level, there was scantily clad male and female cheerleaders, the mascots stay on the field during the game taunting fans. It was- They taunt the fans, that should be fun. Yeah, the music plays- Just like the Mets. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the players talk the fans up until the pitcher throws the well, up until the pitcher releases the ball. The music stops. The batter swings. The music comes back on. It's it's a whole different experience. So I would encourage everybody who hasn't seen a game outside of the U.S. and Canada to do it if they get the chance. And that's kind of my like bucket list for what comes after I finish all the pro parks in the U S and Canada is to get to see more, uh, games in different places. I'd love to get to Korea or the Caribbean. Oh, Korea would be fun. A lot of cheering there as well. Um, but I meant to use that time as to think of other parks I love in the U S and I didn't. Um, yeah, you kind but, of transitioned into my next question is with, with your resume, what's on your bucket list and, you kind of answered some of that question. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, I'd like to, you know, pandemic willing, I hopefully will be able to get to the parks that I need to get to to complete the pro parks for the US and Canada next year. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? There's already a couple of new Indy League teams announced. Um, and the Pecos League and Empire League, who knows what that, what's going to happen with those. They always a bunch of teams pop up and a bunch of teams disappear. So I'm sure that'll add some things to the list. Um, and they play that, in somebody's backyard next year. They've been just announced. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, after I get through that, I want to, you know, I'll still go through more college games. Um, I want to get to some of the, the higher level college summer leagues. Um, I went to my first, uh, uh, Northwoods League game this year, my first um, Coastal Plain League game this year. There's a lot of cool ballparks in those leagues. Where did you go in uh, Coastal Plain? Uh, High Point Thomasville. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, I Finch, went there this summer. Yeah. Finch yeah. Field, yeah. There's a hill in the outfield. I love me a hill in the Huge. outfield. And uh, on the scoreboard, when the opposing team doesn't score in an inning, they put this goose on top yeah, of the scoreboard. Yeah, goose egg. Uh, Quebec City used to do that. Yeah, they and did then that too. They, the last time I was in Quebec City, they didn't do the goose egg anymore. I was kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I would love to do, uh, at that point, I'll be 48 states. I want to do Hawaii and Alaska. Um, I want to do the Caribbean, and I'd love to do more, more international ballparks. I'd love to see. Australia. I'd love to see South Korea. Um, I'd love to see some honk ball. Amsterdam, right? And that's Holland, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have reviews of those two on our page. We do. <laughs> no. yeah. I look at them and I look at them and I dream And judging from those pictures, some of them look very obscure. I'm like, wow, that's a ballpark. Okay. Yeah, well, they do, they do regulate uh, relegation there yeah. where they some of the minor league teams end up in the major in the highest league so you end up with some what looks like high school fields being in yeah. the major league basically imagine if they did rele relegation out here i mean like the orioles would be down to single a by now 
Well, the force seems to get their act together. You would hope. So, uh, Mike, before we wrap everything up here, why don't you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your website? Yeah, I mean, my website is basically just a bunch of poorly taken pictures that I take well, of my, uh, my ballpark collection. Um, but you can find that. And also, I mean, I post every time I go to a ballpark pictures and stuff on my Twitter, which is uh, at in the ballparks. Um, the website is in the ballparks.com. Um, yeah, there's, if you're bored and want to look at 400 ballparks worth of pictures, I got that. I don't have the reviews that you guys have at Stadium Journey, but you know, you can see where I've been at least. Well, hey, nobody has the reviews that we have at Stadium Journey. That's right. Nobody beats us. Just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, my I I enjoy watching your travels, and it's kind of funny. We were kind of parallel this this uh, summer. A lot of this it's stuff. True. You, you we, said it's you did. Amazing. I ended up doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. We've never ended up in the same place at the same time. Except apparently we were both at a Yukon game this summer and didn't realize it until afterwards. Yes, uh, yes. The new uh the new field there. What's it called? I can't think of the name. Elliott Ballpark. Wow, what a what an improvement over oh, there yeah. over a Christian field. Absolutely. So it's there there are only a handful of high level college parks in New England, and now that's one of them. But no doubt. Yeah, no, I guess. I think I'm done for the season other than probably I'll get to a couple of like Worcester Red Sox or Fisher Cats games. Um, but I'm hoping dreaming on college fall ball maybe for a couple of games and then we'll see what happens. But yeah, in the ballparks on Twitter, if you want to watch where I ramble around the country and hopefully farther than that. So, so, um, one last question. As, as a New Englander, as a Red Sox fan, what's your impression of Worcester's $159 million ballpark? It's very blue. It sure is. Um, I'm getting used to it. It's it's different. I love McCoy Stadium. I was prepared, and I know I'm preaching to the choir uh, about the Paw Sox, but I was prepared to sit in the stands and cry at the last Paw Sox game. And I was, uh, you know, part of me is relieved that they took that away from me and didn't make me suffer through that. And part of me is sad that I never got to go to a last game there. Um, it's Worcester is weird. At first I was turned off by some of it and I've come around on a lot of it. Uh, I love a ballpark with a train. It's got a train. Um, it's got some cool, some cool areas in the park. Um, the scoreboard is bizarrely placed. Um, I sat on the third base side the first game and I couldn't see a third of the scoreboard. Right. But yeah, I'll get used to it. I'll grow to love it. Yeah. I mean, as someone who, you know, borderline worship McCoy stadium, I, I can't say a whole lot of negative things about polar park. So I really do yeah. enjoy it there. So. Yeah. I mean, I'll always be sad when an older ballpark goes away, but it's the thing I like the most about Worcester is it doesn't look exactly like every other brand new uh, ballpark. There's a weird trend and I like, I like it because it's a good ballpark. And like I said, this is an issue Dave's like, brought up. Yes. Yeah. And it's tough because as for me, as someone who's traveling around and going to all these ballparks, like, yeah, they look the same and it gets a little samey after a while. But for these people who live in this town, like they don't, they haven't been going to, all these other ballparks across the country. So they get to enjoy the brand new ballpark and they don't care that it looks kind of like the one in North Carolina or Texas or whatever. But that said, I love when a ballpark looks different and Worcester looks different. I liked, uh, I really liked uh, Gastonia this summer because it looks totally different from any other ballpark, new ballpark. Oh yeah. It's got weird group seating areas all over the place. Yeah. How was the crowd at Gastonia when you went there? Because all three of us, I think, said the same thing. We love the ballpark, and it's very different than what we're used to. Yeah. No, the crowd was okay, um, but I love the park. It was, it yeah. was different. I'm super excited, honestly, to see the, uh, the Lake Country Dockhounds ballpark next year because – that looks super weird. There's no, oh, yeah. there's no permanent stadium, stadium seating behind home plate. It's all tables and different levels of tables and stuff. And all the stadium seating is down the lines. So oh, give yeah, me I forgot weird, about those guys. 
yeah, give me weird and different. I love Traverse City and Frisco because they don't look oh, like anything else. Traverse City. Yeah. That's just a fun so, town to be in. Yeah, Frisco, Traverse City. One, yeah. Uh, I've not been there yet. One day. One day. When car rentals are somewhat affordable. <laughs> <laughs> I love going to ballparks. I just don't feel like spending $100 a day uh, yeah. for a hotel plus car and you know, yeah, that's expenses. a that's a big reason why I didn't do the West Coast. Yeah, that I was I, for this year. I thought about renting a car and just driving all over the country. I mean, all over the South for a little bit this year, and I saw how much I was going to rent a car. I was going to hit trash uh, the trash pandas, go down to Mo not Mobile, Pensacola. It's like, yeah, I guess I could wait till twenty twenty two. Yeah, I just beat up my own car for the summer. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah well. Well, all right. I guess that's that's where we're gonna wrap things up for today, Mike. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Do you want to uh, pimp out your website or your uh, Twitter account one more time for our listeners? Sure, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. You guys do a great job with your websites. Amazing resource for anybody who does the stuff we do. Um, and I, your podcast is super fun too. And thank you so much for having me. Anytime you want to have me back, I'll be here. Um, if you want to follow along wherever the other places I go, it's at in the ballparks on Twitter. And Mike's a good Twitter follower. I can I can vouch for that one. All right, Mike. Uh, thanks for coming on again, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, guys. So uh, once again, we want to thank Michael Harris from InTheBallparks.com for joining us. Uh, if any of our listeners would like to follow Dan online, you can find him at DanLaw83. Mark, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can follow me at Ballpark Hunter at Twitter, Instagram, and on my YouTube page. 551 subscribers. Let's get to 600. Won't you help me make that happen? Ooh, I think my YouTube page has like 12 followers. Dave, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at ProFan9. And you can follow my stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. And remember to check out our website for all of our great content. That's stadiumjourney.com. Connect with us on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And I think that's all for now, but that's plenty. Uh, you can find the audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast just by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network on whatever podcast search app you use. And uh, our video simulcast can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And our classic back catalog can still be found at vocnation.com. And join us for our live streams every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash danlaw83. Now, for those of you who are listening on our live stream or watching on our live stream, uh, we'll be reviewing our recent road trips in just a couple of minutes. For those of you who are listening or watching this at a later time, check out part two of this week's episode, wherever you found this one. So thanks again, everyone, for listening, for watching. For Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul wishing you safe stadium journeys and close games. Hope to see you on the road real soon. Cross the desert, bear man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere.